Fly me to the moon Let me play among the stars Let me see what spring is like on Jupiter and Mars In other words Hold my hand In other words Baby, kiss me With song and let me sing forevermore. You are all I long for, all I worship and adore. In other words, please be true. In other words, I love you. Welcome, this is Beyond the Hate, I'm Steve. Yeah, I'm John. And today we're going to be talking about The Aviator. Yep. We had to class up the joint a little bit uh, by playing some uh, old Blue Eyes, Frank Sinatra. Uh, Sinatra. <laughs> and today our uh, beer of choice is Black Warrior. Uh, from Tuscaloosa, Alabama. T-Town. T-Town, also known as Championship City. <laughs> yeah, Championship City. This uh, is 5.4% by volume alcohol. Uh, T-Town brewed. This uh, is, uh, the, the, the company is Black Warrior Brewing Company. And the uh, beer is called Broad Street Brown. And it's, um, it's interesting because, like, I don't know exactly, uh, it says it's... it's Made with special roasted and uh, extra dark malts, combined with uh, four kinds of hops. So yeah. it doesn't. It's not like super bitter. So it definitely doesn't, it doesn't taste, super, taste bitter at all. It doesn't taste super bitter. Um, you can definitely taste the hops in it, but it's not like overwhelming. So if you want to get something that has some hops in it but not really noticeable, this is very good for that. And you know, in that particular yeah, we're purpose. Yeah, giving it a two point five. And we'll yeah, 2.5 we'll out of 3. And, uh, also, just uh, for our fans to know, we also have a separate show called The Saint and Sinner Show. Yes. Which you can find separately here. And our Instagram page, because we're only going to do one, is The Saint and Sinner Show on Instagram. But we're going to have Beyond the Hate stuff on there, too. We actually reviewed the beer before this. And you can see us drinking it on that. So if you wanted to go check out the show or our Instagram page, go over there and check it out. Also, like, donate, subscribe, and leave us five stars. Five stars. Or whatever that means. Just like um, uh, Rob Van Dam's Frog Splash. Yeah, so yeah. <laughs> yeah, five, five stars for Frog Splash. Uh, but yeah, also one thing I did want to do just real quickly before you continue. Mm -hmm. Um, uh, I heard the other day that, um, uh, that, well, I guess legendary Auburn coach Pat Dye has, uh, got the coronavirus. But he's asymptomatic. He is? Okay. Yes, so, he is. He is not, uh, suffering from an illness. He does have the coronavirus, but his bigger issues is his kidneys. Uh, but still, we hope him a speedy recovery. Yep. He was an Auburn coach, but he was also an Alabama coach as well. And yeah, he, he coached a, under uh, Bear Bryant for eight years. And he was what brought, uh, he, he he was what made the Iron Bowl what it is today in the 80s, 
because he was actually one of the people that could actually start beating Alabama, and they made Auburn the program it is today. So thank you, Pat Dye. I hope you make a speedy recovery, and uh, thank you for making that game in college football and the SEC what it is today because Bear Bryant couldn't do it by himself. you you got to have competitiveness, and you are uh, competitive. So, yeah. Yeah. Keep fighting, Pat. Yeah, uh, yes. Kick some ass. Kick some ass, Pat Dye. So. But anyway, go ahead and continue with your point. I just wanted to get that out there because I felt we needed to, we needed to mention yeah. uh, Coach Dye and his, yeah. his health. Yeah, so I, I think he's going to be okay. His son, Pat Dye uh, Jr., which is a football agent. He's a sports agent, and uh, he said that his, his dad uh should be released from the hospital in a couple of days. So That's good. That's good. Um So this movie um The Aviator cost 110 million dollars to make. Uh it grossed uh 213 million dollars, so it it pretty much you know made twice what it was worth. Right. Um that's pretty. I would have thought that maybe the budget would have been higher, maybe, but I guess because it does have some some CG stuff in it, especially with some of the planes. But well, whenever you have a good director, it doesn't cost as much to do some stuff. Well, that's true. Yeah, because uh, a lot of that you stuff have they just really built practically. bad directors. It usually costs a lot more money because they're just they don't know how to you know do the. Um, it's all technical stuff. It's boring. I'm not gonna. Um, <laughs> so the difference between uh, Scorsese and um, yeah, some of those like, you know, it's like when you watch something like Transformers and you're like ninety percent of this shit's fake. Well, you you can <laughs> you can even make a case when Scorsese said the thing about uh, the Avengers. It's like in part way he he's right. Like, uh, and the Russo brothers are great directors, but. Uh, because how else are they going to do the things that they do? But a lot of times, it's literally just like, shoot a scene. Okay, editors and CGI people, you guys are filling in the rest. Right, yeah. So it's not really directing amazing movies. So that's what Scorsese was saying in Coppola and stuff. It's like, you're not really like getting human interaction. But these are superhero movies. It's not something yeah. that... It's, it doesn't matter. That's the thing. It's like the you know the Michael Bay movies. It's like you know you you understand what you're gonna go see when you go watch it. Like, I, th- I think the last one with Wahlberg. I think he was there for two weeks. Right. Yeah. And he was the star of the movie. Right. And then they just basically they're like, yeah. So um, do do this scene, and then after you leave, we're just gonna put all the fucking robots in later. It's like. Okay, um... I mean, yeah, how else are they going to do it? I yeah, mean, that's, that's the, the thing. Old... Like, it's... Yeah. If you're going to make the movie, it's like, it's not like, oh, well, they should have built the thing. It's like, no, that's They're not going to build actual fucking Transformers, you know how expensive that shit would be? Of course it has to be made in the computer. But you... But the thing is, it's like... But when your main actor is only there for, like, two weeks, and he's the lead... He's the star he's of the, the movie... He's the main character. <laughs> So yeah, I mean that's uh, it, it. It does feel a little hollow sometimes. That's so. what Scorsese was saying in the thing, and you can side with him or not. But it's like yeah, uh, but they've made billions I, of dollars off. These. I side with him, but I also love Avengers movies and like Batman movies and stuff. Like Christopher Nolan is one of the greatest directors of our time, but. 
he was lucky enough to direct Batman. Batman is the, the, the character that you can use the least amount of CGI with. Because he's just a normal guy. Right. With a bunch of badass tech. Yeah, and if you actually build the stuff practically, I mean, you have to build the suit, you have to build, you know, whatever version of the Batmobile you're going to do. His gadgets are all real stuff, you know. It's like yeah, it you, all, you don't it need all a sense. ton so, of computer stuff for that. So yeah, he was lucky, but like, give Christopher Nolan, you know, <coughs> give Christopher <coughs> Nolan Superman, and I guarantee you, he doesn't do as good of job as Zack Snyder did in Man of Steel. I mean. He gets criticized for it, but it's it's a hard character to pull off. I like man. Yo, we we've done Man of Steel before. Yeah, and it's a good movie. But this is. Did you know this is the first movie that Martin Scorsese directed? And this was in two thousand and four. Uh, that made over a hundred million dollars. <coughs> that's that's a little weird. It's the first one that he that he made that went over that made over a hundred million. Made over a hundred million dollars. Ah. Before he was directing, and the movie, some of the big known movies that he directed before then that didn't make over a hundred million dollars is Gangs of New York, Casino, and Goodfellas. None of those made over a hundred million dollars. Wow, that's that's kind of crazy when you think about it because like those are especially there's a lot of people that's like to this day like are super into Goodfellas and love that fucking movie. Yeah, Goodfellas, Casino, and Gangs of New York. Yeah. All epic movies. Like yeah. Gangs of New York. Uh, Daniel Day-Lewis. I know other people credit Daniel Day-Lewis for other stuff, but I would say Daniel Day-Lewis's best performance is in Gangs of New York. Yeah. Um, Always, I would say that. Bill the Butcher is epic, but this isn't what this is about. <laughs> um, so Gwen Stefani was... Um, playing uh, uh, Jean Harlow in this movie. And uh, whenever The Outlaw was made, which is whenever Jean Harlow showed up in this, this film, um, Jean Harlow was 19, year old, 19 years old whenever The Outlaw was made by Howard Hughes. Uh, and Gwen Stefani plays Jean Harlow in this. And she was 34. But did she not look like a teenager? That's that's one of the things like when you when you say a fact like that and I'm like man Gwen Stefani that's you can definitely tell that she takes care of herself because um, the uh, because uh, he you discovered her he discovered her for Hell's Angels right Jean Harlow because that was her first acting role right was Hell's Angels the because I looked it up and it was like uh, I think that's her first credit is actually Hell's Angels. Gene Harlow? On Gene Harlow, yeah. Maybe. Uh, I didn't I didn't look that up, but yeah, I, I believe you on that. But that means also, that means Gwen Stefani is 50 years old now. Right. Don't you feel kind of old? Gwen Stefani is 50. <laughs> right. <laughs> she was 34 years old in 2004. Four, yeah. What the fuck? She and she's still just a girl. <laughs> yeah, because she, you almost. And that's the crazy thing. Like when you think about it, it's like uh, J Lo's also like fifty now. And yeah, I kind of, I'm, I'm kind of, yeah, I see that. Like they keep posting the pictures, and she's in amazing shape. But yes, she does look fifty to me. Well, uh, Halle Berry is like fifty three, I think, isn't she? Yeah, Halle looks in her forties. I think J Lo looks older than Halle Berry. 
And Elizabeth Hurley's older than both of them, and she looks younger than both of them to me. It's just, uh, uh, it just all depends on how you take care of yourself. But the fact that she's able to pull off being a teenager, and, and somebody but has... But does look 50 to me. She just looks like a great 50, but she does look 50 to me. Yeah. Well, then, like, uh, Shakira's like 40-something, isn't she? Uh, Shakira looks 25. Right. <laughs> still. Those like... hips still don't lie. <laughs> yeah. Um, it's, the song uh, was about a hula hoop competition, by the way. Right. <laughs> um... Yeah, we established that on Saint Center show, um, but uh, it wasn't. That's a lot. Yeah, that's definitely one of Stevens' lies. <laughs> um, uh. But uh, we do have uh, we do have uh, um, you know there there's some stuff in here about well, all three of the uh, at, the the main at well I guess Gwen's only in the movie for really just a few minutes. Yeah, as Gene Harlow, but. Um, Kate Beckinsale as Ava Gardner, and of course Kate Blanchett as uh, Catherine Hepburn. Yeah, Kate Beckinsale gained twenty pounds to play Ava Gardner. She had to gain weight to even look like Ava. Because uh, usually she is relatively skinny, just normally. Uh, Kate Beckinsale. Yeah. Because uh, so, she used to have like an issue with um, it was like a, a eating disorder that she used to have. So yeah. she's always been kind of relatively thin anyway. And uh, Jane Lynch had a scene in this movie that was cut where Jane Lynch was Amelia Earhart. Oh, that man, I would have loved to have seen that. And she was flying one of Howard Hughes' planes as Amelia Earhart. Why did they cut that? That's so bullshit. We could have seen Jane Lynch as Amelia Earhart? Yeah. I want to see that fucking movie now. Yeah, it's a cut scene. I think you can find it. Um, but, yeah. The, did they put it on the DVD? Or, like, the Blu-ray? May, yeah, probably. Is we it can, on the we deleted can check scenes? check it out after. Because like, um, I would yeah, at least want to see that. Yeah, yeah Jane Lynch filmed a scene as Amelia Earhart firing one of Howard Hughes' planes, which did happen in real life. So That's pretty badass. So, uh, uh, the Hells Angels movie, one of the most expensive movies ever made back in those days, cost $4 million back in the day, would have cost $61 million today. Sixty-one million. Okay, and it, it grows sixty-three million back in the day on a budget of four million dollars. That would have been nine hundred and sixty-seven million dollars today. If it was well, if, that would have been nine hundred and sixty-seven million dollars if it was made in two thousand eighteen. Two thousand eighteen. Okay. So when you adjust for almost a billion-dollar movie made with sixty-one million dollars, which would have made it. The highest profit movie of all time. Right. And that was in uh, 1933 when he released Hell's yes. Angels? 33? So you, you're thinking that's uh, 33 is like Depression era and he was able to make that kind of money. And yes. a lot of people thought he was going to go bankrupt. Like in the in the movie when he's trying to see if he can get the, the extra two cameras. And they're like, how many cameras do you currently have? And he was like, we have uh, 24. 24. And they were like, "You don't have uh, it with twenty-four. You, you can't like, do it with twenty-four. He was like, "Nah, I still need two more. I need two more. Yeah." And uh, they're like, "You you can't figure out how to use the ones that you've got." <laughs> Steven Spielberg was also going to make a Howard Hughes uh, movie until he seen this one, and then he scrapped it. Yeah, <laughs> like, well, it can't really improve on that. So, well, yeah, he was basically because actually it's kind of funny because he wanted Leo also. Oh, really? To do his Howard Hughes movie. And then he seen this, and he was like, well, that's over with. I guess uh, Scorsese beat me to the punch on that one. Yeah, yeah, so let's just go ahead and burn it. 
Yeah. Uh, to the ground. Uh, Leonardo Just DiCaprio. like all of his clothes. Yeah. Leonardo DiCaprio is four inches shorter than Howard Hughes in real life. Leonardo DiCaprio is six foot. Howard Hughes was six foot four. Uh. <laughs> yeah, so fitting in some of those planes probably would have been a little <laughs> bit more of a chore for the real Howard. Maybe that's why he wanted to make the Hercules so he can actually fit in a plane. Right. Uh. <laughs> Shaq would have been like, man, fuck, I can actually get in a real plane now. <laughs> I can get in a Hercules. I can get in a Hercules. Uh, Leonardo DiCaprio and John C. Riley were actually in a movie before this movie. Do you know what movie that was? John C. Riley and Leo? Yep. Oh, before this? Before this movie. They were yeah, they were in the same movie together. What, yeah, was it Titanic? Nope. No. What's eating Gilbert Grape? Oh right. The movie Leonardo DiCaprio did with Johnny Depp and Winona Ryder. Um Fucking Legends. Yep. Uh Howard would have been worth six point uh, five billion dollars today. Because he was worth $1.5 billion back in the day. Uh, <laughs> uh, he also was responsible for inventing the underwire brawl. He invented it so Jane Russell would look more sexy in the movies. Yeah. Um, so he actually invented... That man is a patriot right there. He actually, uh, <laughs> he actually invented the underwire brawl. And uh, he was once kicked out of a Vegas hotel... Uh, or they tried to kick him out of Vegas Hotel, and then he bought it. Um, so, man, that's that's a that that's that's what you call that's that's just a baller ass move. It's like yeah, we're gonna have to remove you from the property. How much is this property? <laughs> um, well, I mean, it's worth multiple millions. I'm pretty sure you you no, could thirteen afford- million dollars, and you just wrote him a check. Thirteen million. He's like, eh, I got that. Yeah. So now that's you literally can- the scene out of a Batman movie. Right. So Bruce Wayne also, not only Iron Man, Bruce Wayne also based off Howard Hughes. Uh, <laughs> yeah, if Howard Hughes was like you know doing detective work and beating the shit out of people at night and uh, fighting crime, um, but uh, but that's the thing is that like you know Hughes in terms of like what he was uh, to America just in terms of like his innovations and then of course the the TWA business. Because that changed, that changed the air, you know the airline business forever, because they were going to make it a monopoly. Yeah, and I he mean, was like, "That's bullshit." It's like, well, we just think that one company can do it better. It's like that's literally monopoly. The fucking senator is literally talking about a monopoly to a man that's definitely anti-monopoly, you know. And it's like when you look at th- what Hughes meant to just like americana i think a lot of people you know especially back in the day had a lot of respect for him because he was one of those people that he was constantly trying to innovate and make everything better yeah and especially when it came to aviation but even like things like the like the, that underwire bra thing like that's not some some shit that you know he had to do or anything like that that was just something that he came up with because he had an idea. Yeah, he wanted boobs to look better on screen. Right, and I mean, bless the man for it. We're all <laughs> better for that. <laughs> so, one of the other things that I see on here that was kind of interesting is Leonardo DiCaprio was nominated for his role in this movie for an Oscar. Right. So, do you know who beat him out for that Oscar this year? 
for the for 2004 uh i'm, I'm trying I, I don't even know if i can think of like uh movies that came out at that that year that would have challenged it well i, I, I can't think of it off the top of my head sean penn won the oscar this year over Leonardo DiCaprio and the Aviator for Mystic River. Mystic River. <laughs> um. Okay. Uh. The thing about Mystic River to me is it was directed by Clint Eastwood. It's a decent movie, but once you've seen the movie one time. It's over. Right. And Sean Penn wasn't even the best actor in the movie. It was Tim Robbins. Tim Robbins is fucking genius in anything he does, really. And he's the one that gets murdered by Sean Penn at the end. And then you find out he did. He wasn't even the one that did it. I, I, I think... Sometimes it kind of makes you wonder, like how how these Academy Awards work, because it's like to to see what Leo does with Howard Hughes in this movie, and the kind of role that he had to play, because Hughes is a very complicated person just in general, but it's definitely complicated to make that come across on screen, where you can actually you know feel for him and understand him and you get him. But some of these roles, you're like, how is that performance better than what... It's like the thing you were talking about with Jeffrey Rush. He's in literally 15 minutes of one movie. And then you have, you know, if you put that up against what DiCaprio did in this movie, you're like, there's no fucking way that Jeffrey Rush's, in that particular sense, would be able to outdo what DiCaprio did in this movie. Right. But there was one good shining thing about this movie. Kate Blanchett did win an Oscar for this movie. For Best Actress? She won Best Actress for this movie. And she's not only won Best Actress for this movie, she is the first person who won an Oscar playing someone who won an Oscar. And she's the only person to ever have done that. Oh, uh, yeah, because Katherine Hepburn won Oscars herself. Yeah. yeah. So Katherine Hepburn won an Oscar, and Kate Blanchett won an Oscar playing Katherine Hepburn. <laughs> so she is the first person to win an Oscar playing someone who's won an Oscar. But the ridiculous thing to me, uh, to that is me, is she didn't win an Oscar for playing Elizabeth. <laughs> right. Which is literally Kate Blanchett's best role she's ever played. And I don't even think she was nominated. Yeah, for yeah, for playing Elizabeth so the first. So it's yeah. just so weird. Yeah, which is crazy. Also, that movie explores a little bit of it in the background, but you know how insane it is that Elizabeth ever was the ruler of England. It is insane because Henry the Eighth is her dad, and he was fucking psychotic. Yeah, he was. <laughs> hey, he, he just murdered motherfuckers. Yeah, and. You know, just go look up history. I mean, it's insane that she ever got it because her half-sister got it before her and then she died. And then she got it. And then she was literally one of the greatest rulers in the history of England. Right. (laughs) And he didn't even want a daughter. He thought whenever they were birthed that they were all disappointments. 
because right. he wanted a son. And one of the greatest history, one of the greatest rulers in England history, is Elizabeth the First. It's kind of interesting how like two of the greatest rulers they've had in their history were both Elizabeths. <laughs> you know. Yeah. Because we have Elizabeth the Second now. Um, yeah. So, but that's the. I think that's the thing about Kate Blanchett though is that she, like. I'll even point to something that people probably would make fun of and make memes and shit out of. The um, Indiana Jones and the the Crystal Skull, Kingdom of the Crystal Skull. Yeah. It's Crystal Skulls. Um, you know, she plays like a, uh, like a Russian, uh, like a Russian character in that movie. Kate Blanchett does. And I fucking love her in that movie. She I th- does. I think the reason that that movie is not doesn't have a high rewatch valuable value isn't the performances in the movie. I think all the performances are pretty fun, even Shia LaBeouf. Uh, Shia, um, Shia LaBeouf did a pretty good job. I, th- I think Spielberg did a horrible job directing the movie. It just, it just didn't look great. It didn't feel like an Indiana Jones movie. It looked like it looked like like he he put backdrops instead of like it looked like he's just like yeah just roll that screen down let's make it look like a desert. It's like this looks awful, Spielberg. You sure? <laughs> you want to? Yeah, yeah, just roll, just roll. I'm only doing this because I'm friends with Lucas, and I don't want to not be. I owe him a favor for something. I said that I would do the yeah. you know the fourth it, it Indiana like Jones. He called it in. I mean, Spielberg <laughs> was like he called it in. He could have done a better job because he had the actors and the actresses. Yeah, and you know the concept of the movie is interesting because you know it's a nerd concept, aliens and shit. Yeah, it takes place in the fifties. Yeah, I which mean, I thought was pretty awesome because you know alien stuff is really big in the fifties. But Sci-fi yeah. really kind of blows up in the 50s. You know, those but, performances are all, always a little weird because it's not really like... Those performances are usually just... It's never going to get you nominated in like an Indiana Jones movie because it's just like... Oh, it's just a stupid action movie with a bunch of adventure. It's like, yeah, you're not going to... It's like, no, you, you, you got to do those classy art pictures. Well you, well, you gotta have movies where you can actually act in them. Right. Well, it's multi-emotional stuff. Like, you know, like, movies with different swings of emotions and stuff. Like, and it's not that they're action movies. It's that writers don't know how to write in different things in just uh, one sort of movie. It's like, it's Indiana Jones. It's just supposed to be like this. So I'm gonna write it like this. And it's like, yeah, I mean, but you can put like ups and downs and yeah, you know, emotional roller coasters and stuff like that. And I think that's what made the first Indiana Jones so good is because it had that. It had like a love story. It had like, you know, emotional roller coasters and stuff like that. And then after that, you had your were, funny stuff. You they had were just kind of banking off Harrison stuff. Ford. Right. They're like, like Harrison's going to carry this movie, and he did. Yeah. Let's be fair to Harrison. He did a badass job. I mean. But it's like, and you he know, wasn't nominated. I mean, he literally carried a franchise, and they didn't even nominate him. But same could be said about Star Wars. I mean, Harrison kind of carried that for a while too, which is, I guess, why they brought him back before they brought, you know, Mark Hamill back. You know, you, you know, like in the new ones, they're like, well, we need Harrison first. And it's like, well, what, what about, you know, Luke Skywalker, the thing that... It's the, like, the, he'll be in, like, two minutes at the end. Yeah, We're really no. saving Luke for that middle movie. You know, it's like... It's you like, mean when he dies? Yeah, it's like, we, <laughs> it's like, but we gotta have, we gotta have Han Solo and Chewbacca 
show up first because that's what everybody wants. It's like, there's a lot of Luke fans too. I'm a Luke Skywalker fan. It's like, okay, <laughs> it's like, that's cool. But also, neither one of those people are the main characters of Star Wars. <laughs> but they're cool, and it's cool seeing them in the Millennium Falcon. You know, in gr- uh, my brother seen it because I sent him the code of uh, The Rise of Skywalker, and he was like, he was basically like, he hated it. Um, he was just basically like, this is not good. And I was like, what'd you hate about it? And he was like, well, it just makes the prophecy thing basically bullshit. It's like, Anakin should have finished off Palpatine because if Palpatine's still alive, then so should he be. And it was like, and it was like, yeah, I mean, that's basically what they try to get through. And the student, Kathleen Kennedy was like, no. Because, uh, in Aftersight, Abrams did try to make that. And Kathleen Kennedy's like, no, Ray has to win. Well, yeah, and the, the, uh, just as like a sidetrack note, we'll get back to the aviator here in a second, but just as a sidetrack note, Josh Trank wrote, a, you know, a totally different, and then there's a couple other writers who are helping him, but they wrote, you know, some stuff into what they thought the Rise of Skywalker was going to be. And then Kathleen basically went in and vetoed, like, most of it. Did you say Josh Trank or Josh Trash? Uh, Trank. Trank? Yeah. <laughs> Why do you think he's trash? Because <laughs> I, I know one of the writers is Josh Trask. Oh, no, it's Trank. Okay. Josh Trank. He's, uh, he was the guy that did the, um, uh, the Fantastic Four when they tried to... Do it with like Michael B. Jordan and um, uh, Kate Mara and that kind of stuff. He did yeah. the that Fantastic Four. Great writer. <laughs> and he ended up uh, he ended up writing a script and stuff for this Star Wars, and then they got shit canned, and they just kind of like yeah we're not going to use that. And then Kathleen vetoed a bunch of stuff. So you know the Rise of Skywalker will probably be an entirely different episode. You know not for us. <laughs> I think that one probably wouldn't be a Beyond the Hate episode. It would be a What the Fuck Happened kind of episode. Because <laughs> Beyond the Hate is about positivity. And we had some negative thoughts at the end of that movie. Well, the one is, uh, I mean... Not negative necessarily, but like... Uh, we, we were a little bit more harsh on that than we were on Well, you have last six Jedi. movies of one thought and then the, the the last movie is basically like, you know what? Money. Yeah, fuck all that. Let's get all that money. We want to bring Palps back because and he's the main villain. It's like, eh, you, you had a villain. It was Kylo and you just kind of fucked it up. I don't think but, Kylo was ever the villain. You, you, you just never had a villain. Because Kylo was just a Skywalker that was split between two worlds, and that's a great character build. And then you have Rey, who has the the arc of being the most unstoppable person ever, and that arc never changes. And then there's no there's no character arc, there's no build, there's no new villain. There's no, I mean, there's just no substance. And in the end. You, you get all these nerds that was just like, oh, well, you're just trying to push Ray as the savior. And it's like, you proved him right. And that's like the worst thing to do. It's like, <laughs> you can make Ray look good. Yeah. In this franchise and not have her be the main character. Because you know who the main character is? Anakin Skywalker. <laughs> He's always supposed to be the main character of this. Luke wasn't even the main character 
of his own story. It was always Anakin. <laughs> always! The first six movies are about Anakin. So the last six movies should end in Anakin's story. Not just basically like, well, you know what, fuck all that shit. This Ray chick that can just call herself a Skywalker at the end of it. And it's like, you're not a Skywalker. <laughs> Regardless of what, what you say at the end, it, you are a Palpatine. Yeah. My, my thing, it, and then we'll go ahead and we'll get into the comments here in a second. But my thing about that is that I think that there's going to be one hell of a documentary at some point that's going to talk about Kathleen's run here. Uh, with these movies because they they made a lot of decisions that were frustrating. They made decisions that were like great and brilliant. Like, you know, getting Oscar Isaac to be in these movies, great. John Boyega did a badass job. There's a bunch of really good actors in these in these movies. Fucking Adam Driver is probably I mean Kylo he made Kylo like real to me. Whoa, whoa. And I love Kylo as a character and I love Adam Driver. They had a really, really good crew with this and they just they just Fuck the landing up. They just could not figure out... You can have great performances from actors. We know all these actors in these movies are great. But you you kept John Viega around for way too long. Because... I don't even remember what he did in the last movie. Um... He he did stuff. <laughs> Do you remember off the top of your head without looking up what he did in Rise of Sky? Uh, he uh, he met that Janna girl and then he led the uh, thing on the, for the Star movie? Destroyer. What he did was... he do for the movie? Um, nothing. He did nothing. What was... Rose didn't do shit either. <laughs> she, she they I probably mean, both should have died in the second movie. <laughs> yeah, they both should have died in the. Like, that's what I always said. Like, that would have been the perfect ending. But they're like, no, 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 you can't kill him because we love John B. It's like, we all do. But you got to end character stories at the perfect place. Are you just drawing it out? Yeah. Well, they're drawing it out because they're contractually obligated to be in another movie. <laughs> but anyway. You can have uh, them as flashbacks or talking points. Well, that's kind of what they did like with that. Luke. They're like, you're going you're gonna to be like a force ghost now. And he's like... Oh, so I'm getting Obi-Wan. I'm just... I was real, and I was an actual character, and now I'm just kind of like this blue ghosty guy that's just supposed to yeah, drop gonna, some knowledge on you for a Luke couple minutes. Luke served this point. Yeah, you that's know, true. Luke, Luke had actually over-served this point. It would have been more interesting, actually, if in the search for Luke for Rey, it would have been more of a twist if she would have went to that island and it wasn't Luke and it was Anakin standing there and then you would have been like, oh, what the fuck? Yeah. <laughs> and it's like mind-blowing credits roll and you're like, oh, what the what the fuck? I thought she was trying to find Luke. Why is Anakin there? And it's like, yeah, now shit's about to go down. Yeah. And it's like, where's Luke? And he was like, Luke's somewhere that he doesn't want to be found. But I want to be found. That's why you found me. Right. You know, and it's like, oh, shit. <laughs> But they didn't plan this out because they just fucking... It's like, oh yeah, Palpatine was always the plan. If they would have made it, Palpatine was always the plan. I guarantee Anakin would have been in the second movie. At least in some way. In something, some part. And then they didn't explain the Maskinata shit where she was like, that's a story for another time while I have this lightsaber. They're just like, yeah, fuck that storyline. <laughs> We're not explaining that shit. We're gonna we're gonna be on a two hour rant about Star Wars if we continue on. Just save yeah. that save that frustration 
for another episode when we have more time. <laughs> okay. But do you want to talk about how bullshit Scorsese is? Yeah, let's talk about You want to talk about how Martin Scorsese is a hack? Yeah, let's talk about that garbage um, director. I had to. <laughs> it's like one of the best directors in movie history, and these people are calling him an asshole. What a um, hack! Yeah, what a hack, you piece of shit. So, it, basically, on this one, I uh, I found some comments where I'm like, I don't know if this is going to go into a bigger point. And I'm like, fuck it, I'll just make that the point. So, there's a few of these that are a little bit smaller than maybe normal, but I have a couple more than normal. Um, I think it's a couple more, but anyway. Uh, so this says, uh, sorry to, to disappoint you, but Marty Scorsese. Okay, first of all, nobody calls him Marty. If you if you walk up to Scorsese and you say, Marty, what's up? He's going to be like, go fuck yourself. <laughs> when Who calls Mar- Martin Scorsese Marty? Yeah, nobody calls him Marty. Okay, so first of all, fuck you for that. Uh, but Marty Scorsese strikes out again with a lackluster script and terrible performances by Leo and Gwen Stefani. I don't think that Marty Scorsese was up to the task of directing the biography of Howard Hughes. I think that Michael Mann should have been uh, uh, kept uh, on this project as he is more suited to successfully direct compelling biographies. I think that Michael Mann and Marty Scorsese should have traded projects for this year, with Mann directing The Aviator and Scorsese directing Collateral. I think the results would have been much better. Scorsese was a brilliant director years ago, and we're still waiting for his next great film. If he receives any awards from this, uh, they will be be because of his old work, not The Aviator, and seemingly in sympathy because they uh, forgot to give him awards the first time. What? (laughs) Right. So this person's like, you know what? Michael Mann really should have done The Aviator, and then they should have given Collateral to uh, to uh, Marty Scorsese. And it's like, it doesn't work that way. It's not like there's somebody that's like, okay, you take this script, because you, you seem like you're pretty good for this shit. Okay, you, eh, let's see, rom-com? Yeah, you get the rom-com. It doesn't work like that. It's like, I don't know exactly how this movie got started. Like, if Does it was he something... think movies get done like, uh, let's say, like a game of Go Fish? <laughs> like it's just like it's like oh do you have that uh Howard Hughes biopic it's like go fish yeah right yeah. Ah, shit I gotta get okay like uh oh my god but this is so thing. he thought Michael Mann should have directed this right yeah his point was that Michael Mann would have been better suited to do a movie about Howard Hughes now I don't um, know a ton about Michael Mann. The the main thing that I remember about Michael Mann was that uh, well he didn't he do like Miami Vice back in the day like he he like created Miami Vice for TV and then if I remember right that was Michael Mann and then later on he got into movies because I know that the um the Public Enemies movie um with uh, uh Johnny Depp as uh, John Dillinger the it's like the John Dillinger movie. Um, that was a Michael Mann movie. And I do love that movie. Public Enemies is one of my favorites. Fucking love that movie. Okay, so before 2000... Yeah, that's right. So... We about to break out the... So, yeah, so... The history here. (laughs) Well, before this, the reason... Michael Mann was offered this. This movie. The Aviator. But he did The Insider and Ali before this, and he didn't want to do another, like, true story. Oh, yeah, he did do Ali. That's right. Uh, and he also was responsible for Heat. 
And he did, like, The Last of the Mohicans, so he is a good director. Right. Now, I don't think anybody's saying that Michael Mann is, like, complete garbage or anything. This guy was saying that he would have been better suited to do The Aviator and that maybe Scorsese should have done something like Collateral. Yeah, I don't know. Because he did Collateral, and then he directed, uh, you know, the Miami Vice movie. Um, was it was he the one that, that worked on the original TV show? Didn't he work on the original show? No. Or okay, I thought he did, but it was the movie that it was he. The movie that he okay. did Public Enemies, and then he did Black Cat with uh, Chris Hemsworth, and that's pretty much it. That's like literally all the movies he's directed. Okay. Uh, so, uh, pretty decent director, though. I mean... This is, like I said, I love Public Enemies. That, that's still, like, one of my favorite movies. He's no Scorsese, though. So. <laughs> but that's the thing. It's like, Scorsese has, has earned his reputation as, as an amazing director. And despite what some of these, these ass clowns on IMDb are going to be bitching about, and, like, talking about, like, oh, Scorsese, he's lost it, he doesn't have it anymore... Fucking, you put on this Aviator movie, and when you see just how well he, not only, like, the the pacing of how he does this, because it's difficult, especially, you know, to tell the story of, like, a person's life, right? Because he's only got, in this case, like, just under three hours to tell part of Howard Hughes' life. He couldn't do his whole life. No. He had to fit in as much as he could, you know, um... It's, uh, that's one of the things about doing, like, biography movies is you're like, okay, what's the important shit that we absolutely have to get into the movie that are, like, things that either made them what they were or, like, their biggest, you know, faults. You have to get that stuff in there because you don't have time to go through the 70-something years that Hughes lived. Biographies are always better, um, in my opinion, Whenever you have enough stuff to uh, tell without their death. Right. And that's the thing about this movie. It basically goes from him working on Hell's Angels and trying to get that movie made. You know, uh, like you were saying, it's, it was one of the most expensive movies to make at the time in the yeah. 30s. And, you know, f- considering how much money it made adjusted for inflation, it made a shit ton of money. So eventually it paid off. But you go from that all the way through to... You know, him in the 40s after World War II, you know, in the like late 40s, early 50s when he's, you know, dealing with the Hercules thing and the Senate's and the Senate, you know, trying to get after him, especially the, you know, uh, I forget his last name, but it's like Owen, the, the, the senator from Maine. And that's basically as far as you get. <laughs> you yeah, only really get Brewster. to the 50s. Yeah. You know, I mean, he, the man died in, I think it was 76 is when Howard Hughes died. Yeah, he died in 1976. So, I mean, you still had, like, 20-something more years, and Scorsese's like, I'm not going to make, like, a six-hour movie. Like, we're going to have to get the most important shit that we can in yeah, there. Yeah, that was, like, his early part of his life. Right, and I, th- I think that it's when you consider how much he was able to do with just even that section of Hughes' life, and getting the performances out of Leo, and then the performances out of Kate Beckinsale, and you know Kate Blanchett, and uh, all the different people that he's got, and I mean, even John C. Riley, and then Alan Alda's the senator, fucking Alec yeah. Baldwin's great in this movie. And the thing about Leo also is Leo looks nothing like a lot of the people that he plays most of the time, but he plays them so alike it doesn't matter. Right. Like Howard Hughes actually looked probably more like. 
uh, like Kevin Pollock or something like that. Like he looked closer to Kevin Pollock than Leonardo DiCaprio because Leonardo DiCaprio is a really good-looking, sexy motherfucker. Howard Hughes. No homo? Nah, probably homo. (laughs) Some homo. All the way homo for some Leo. Right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm just saying, like Howard Hughes looked more like Kevin Pollock and like the you know the whole ten yards than. Leo looks like actual Howard Hughes. Right. Um, and I, you know, I think that, uh, like, if you're going to, to talk about, like, Scorsese's best stuff was behind him, you know, and most of these comments are from, like, 04, 05 when the movie came out. So they obviously don't have the the benefit of knowing well, what Scorsese was going to do after well, this. Well, see, that, well, that, that opinion... Uh, derives from what type of movies you like. Right. If you like the mafia gangster movies, then yes, his best work is behind him. But if you like different styles of movies, then it's in front of him. Right. Because that's whenever he really got creative. Because they're like, oh, Goodfellas was my shit, man. I love mafia stuff. He, He got famous for the mafia stuff. And then he got more successful off this other stuff. Right. And then he'll still do some mafia stuff every now and then. I guess like the Irishman, which I haven't seen. Um, but, you know, like... Because uh, that's, uh, that's about Hoffa. Yeah, right, Jimmy Hoffa? De Niro and Al Pacino. Yeah. Again. Of course. Again. Um, <laughs> but, uh, okay, so since we were talking about... Leo, uh, we'll we'll go and do this comment and then we'll take a break. Okay. 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 So as we were as we were talking about Leo, and I figured since we were already on the subject, I'll just go ahead and just do the comment about it so we can elaborate. So this one it says uh, this film was apparently made to appeal to the lowest common denominator. The most noticeable fault is that much of its much of it is untrue. The movie takes place mostly in the 1940s when Hughes was at the peak of his career. Uh, there is very little about his life after that period. Although much of his private life was personal and not known to the public, this did not stop filmmakers from inventing things that they didn't know about him. Uh, although there is uh, no, uh, although there is no reason to think there was anything psychologically wrong with him at that time, the movie makers made him appear as some kind of a nutter who mumbled to himself and behaved in crazy ways, something that is unsubstantiated and offensive since he was uh, the head of uh, large corporations and and did, uh, his company still does, a lot of business with the government. Uh, 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 Unlikely for a crazy person as he is depicted in this film. Uh, However, one of uh, the main problems is that uh, Leo just is not believable at all as Howard Hughes in the least. He looks, acts, talks, and dresses like Leo, not Hughes. Every time he spoke, I thought he was the drifter from Titanic trying unsuccessfully to imitate Howard Hughes as well as Russell Crowe in A Beautiful Mind. The producers, which included Leo, unsuccessfully... Uh, tried or to, to uh, tried to imitate Howard Hughes. Uh, oh no, sorry, I'm on the wrong. <laughs> uh, the producers, which include Leo, apparently took what few bits and pieces of his personal life were known to the public, rearranged them to suit this mostly fictional film, and came up with another trashy Hollywood film. Well, the the things that they actually filled in that wasn't public knowledge because 
Howard Hughes was very good at keeping some of his stuff out of the media. Right. But they actually left some stuff out in respect of Howard Hughes, like the fact that he would go into crowded rooms and he'd wear a mask and sit in the corner and watch people. Uh, they didn't put that in this movie, but uh, Leonardo DiCaprio actually, uh, uh, to prepare for this role, sat down with Gene Harlow, who, who was still alive at the time of the making of this movie, Oh, wow. And uh, actually um, asked her how Howard acted and stuff like that. And then that's where he developed a lot of mannerisms. And then uh, some diaries from certain people that worked for Howard. And, like, Odie and stuff like that were all put together. And then they filled in the blanks. So a lot of this stuff wasn't public knowledge, but it's called research. <laughs> and then they, they, they filled in the blanks with some stuff. And with anything that's based on a true story, sure, some of this stuff is not 100% fact. But you got to make a movie somehow. Right. Because uh, so if it was, if you just did, it, uh, just did it based purely off of exactly everything that happened, and real th- that that's a documentary. That's not that's not a, a, a film. Yeah. So some of the stuff uh, might not have happened exactly the way that it shows, but like the wreck in the movie, that's exactly how it happened because it's documented. Like firefighters and some military people had to actually come save him, but he actually saved himself because he did break himself out of the airplane and then you know he was on fire he had the exact scarring tissue and stuff like that um yeah because that kind of stuff is, is well documented and then yeah, of course all of the, the flights the and stuff like that of ava gardner's house that's public knowledge uh um the deal with the reporter and Catherine, Catherine Hepburn, and the guy that she was seeing. Yeah, I don't was know. Was that? I don't know where. I don't know where exactly they got that. My, my thought is it's probably from that reporter. Uh, like years later, maybe. That they, um, uh, the one the uh, William, William Defoe played, or maybe even the Hepburn family. Um, themselves. But they did their research because some of the stuff wasn't public knowledge. They had to do their research to find out uh, certain things. So, yeah, I mean, I'm not saying that this movie is 100% accurate, but uh, it's Scorsese. He's not just going to be like, let's just make up some bullshit about Howard Hughes and roll with it. Yeah, fuck it. We got a movie to make, like, boys. Let's get this shit the off the ground. like, Senate trial thing was basically taken from footage of it. Right. And then recreated by, by Leo and... Yeah, because you know. <laughs> I watched the thing on YouTube when I was uh, doing the notes and I like looked up and they had a thing that was a, um, a comparison between uh, the real Senate trial uh, with the real Howard Hughes and then the version that they had with Alan Alda and Leo. And they were like, uh, you know, even the like the mannerisms and like the times when he would put the thing to his ear, when he would take it off, they're like, that's almost exactly dead on to when he did it in real life. Yeah. Like, because I guess Leo studied those tapes to figure out like, you know, what is he, you know, his hands, what does he do with his hands, his cadence and how he talks and everything is the accent. Cause you know, Howard was from Texas. So he had to learn all that stuff, but then there's going to be some things you have to fill in because you're like, we're not going to, have every single thing that Howard ever said to somebody 
You know, we're not going to have every single yeah. thing that he ever did. Like, yeah, there was one time he was in Hollywood and he went into this one place and he took a shit and then he didn't wash his hands properly. And you're like, you're not, you're just going to fill in some stuff, you know, like with anything. It's like uh, one of the movies that, that I, that I've always liked. Um, and it's, it's another Leo movie, biography movie. It's the J. Edgar. Eventually I would like to do that at some point. But I know, I know you you would need to watch it. Uh, but the J. Edgar movie... The it's, thing about it is I don't watch movies about presidents. Because... Or political people at all, really. Uh, because I, I, don't, I don't give a fuck. Like Lincoln? I don't, I don't care. Yeah. Well, the thing about the J. Edgar is that it's... Uh, I think you're probably thinking of like, uh, like Herbert Hoover, the President Hoover... No, I'm saying any you're... political people. Oh, okay, but the the main thing with that movie is that it's it's it does have some political stuff in it because it does because he, you know he was still running the FBI He's when the head of the FBI. Yeah, That's he like was the most political shit. <laughs> but they have like some of the stuff with Nixon. They have some of the stuff with Kennedy because he had to deal with those presidents and everything. But it's you know it's a Clint Eastwood movie. And the thing that I, I liked about that is, like, I mean, Leo, like you were saying, he doesn't look like Howard Hughes at all. He doesn't look like J. Edgar Hoover at all. But in terms of nailing the character and getting the character oh, down, yeah. like Absolutely. how, you know, J. Edgar ran the FBI, how he dealt with deputies, how he, how he you know, dealt with everything, and, like, the way that he talked and all that kind of stuff, Leo nails that shit. And they even try to put the prosthetics on him to make him look like J. Edgar Hoover because he kind of had the big jowls and he had kind of a big head. And they had to sort of modify Leo to make him look like J. Edgar Hoover did when he got older and he was just mainly in the office and not doing field mission stuff. But I think that's the thing about Leo whenever he does these movies. This Is there something about Leo and like the way that he looks that he... He seems like he makes sense in this kind of time because J. Edgar Hoover came into the uh, FBI like in the 30s when they formed it. I don't it. think it's how he looks. I think it's just how he acts. It's how he acts. He be- can act he like, can, he, he can he can, act like anybody. Because he can, he can be J. Edgar Hoover and he's totally believable in that movie to me that he is the real J. Edgar Hoover. He can do this movie and do Howard Hughes an am- amazing justice because you watch this and you're like, fuck, I think I understand more about Howard Hughes by watching this because I know Leo took his time to figure out what Howard Hughes was about. His mannerisms, I talked, everything, you know, because that's how Leo is. Uh, and to say that he's not believable as Howard Hughes and it's like, well, okay, so if you're going to say that, you're like, okay, Leo sucked doing this. It's like, come up with somebody that you would like to see doing this. These people don't do that. They're just like, they sucked, and that's it. It's like, well, put put an actor up that you think would have done a better job than Leo did. I don't know, but I think I think one of the actors that's in the movie could have made a good Howard Hughes. I think Adam Scott could have actually been Adam a good Scott. Howard Hughes. Adam Scott. Adam Scott. He was in the movie. Yeah, even because he even had the mustache and everything, and you're like, eh, Adam Scott, maybe if he was. Maybe, I don't know, maybe if his career had, had, you know, been a little bit different, he might have actually made a pretty good Howard Hughes because he he probably looks more like him than Leo does in terms of, like, you know, yeah, just, like, facial features and stuff. He could pass for Howard Hughes probably better than Leo can, you know. But And Adam Scott's an awesome actor. I've, I, I like pretty much anything that he's... Anything that I've seen him in, I've liked him. So... 
you know, I, that would be interesting, yeah. Um, I wonder if, like, uh, no, probably not Sebastian Stan. Eh. Probably not. I don't no, know. No, you gotta be like a... I mean, I, I, Sebastian Stan could do stuff, but I mean... Some of that Sebastian Stan magic. I mean, he can... He can... I can't... I, I wouldn't say that he, he couldn't do it. I'm just saying I don't know why he would. Yeah, that's um, true. You know, like... I don't know why you would do this movie being Sebastian Stan and there's already a movie about Howard Hughes that perfectly nails Howard Hughes. So I don't see why anybody would actually do a modern day version of anything Howard Hughes while this movie exists. So. Right, yeah, because I think pretty much this is like the Howard Hughes movie. And Leo basically killed it, his first opportunity to to do a character like this, and he nails it. But that's, I think, the thing about Leo is that he's such a good actor. Like, even if you look at something like Django Unchained, for example, he's a complete piece of shit in that movie. Like, his character is. But he's he's so likable as that character. You don't want to see him die when he actually dies in the movie. You're like, your character's an asshole, but whenever you kill him, you're like, ah, oh, shit, no more Leo in this movie. Oh, man. This is kind of bullshit. This is uh, also, because he was no so more good. Leo are no more, more Christoph Waltz in the same instance of the movie. So you're like, at that point, and Jamie Foxx is great, at that point of the movie, you're like, well, kind of fuck this movie now. <laughs> because there's no more Leo and there's no Christoph Waltz. There's just Jamie Foxx and, you know, it's whatever. Like, I mean... Jamie Foxx is amazing, but... Yeah, and he does a really awesome job as Django, he too. he is the only Django, especially when you think, like, Will Smith could have been Django. You're like, no. Will no, Smith, no, 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 Will, Will Smith, Smith cannot pull off uh, Django. Will Smith, he, I don't know, he uh, he has too much of a, of a wholesome feel to I don't think he could pull off no, something I, like Django. I think Will Smith can go down. Acting-wise, he could probably do it, but it just it doesn't I, feel I, no, as good no, no, as... No, 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 he could never do Django. I'm saying Will Smith could go dark. He can't go Django dark. Yeah, that's true. That so, yeah. Jamie Foxx probably was the best choice. Like Will for that. Smith and iRobot goes as dark as he can go. iRobot, yeah. dark as well iRobot's as can go. good shit. Yeah, we might end up eventually doing iRobot. Just, just, just for fun because that movie's really good. Yeah, I love that movie. Um, but, uh, but yeah, we're gonna go ahead and take a break here, uh, and then when we come back, uh, we're gonna talk about the actresses, the main actresses in this movie. <laughs> um. Because uh, there's there's a lot of hate for this movie. There's a lot of hate in multiple multiple areas. With the uh, uh, smooth tones of the Steve Miller band, um, it's uh, 
Well, listening to that, I'm like, was that song used in the Big Lebowski soundtrack? Wasn't that in the Big Lebowski? Maybe. I want to say that it was, but I might have been thinking of a different song. But anyway. Um, it's, it kind of sounds like Love Me Sexy. Yeah. From, uh... uh <laughs> from, uh... Oh, Semi-Pro? Semi-Pro, yes. Yeah. <laughs> now I'm just thinking of Will Ferrell and that damn afro. Oh, man. Mm. The fact that his mom was Patti LaBelle, though, that was actually pretty pretty cool. That was great. Yeah, that was a good movie. They, uh, they, they have a lot of resemblance. Right, yeah. I, I think it's mainly the eyebrows. Yeah. Eyebrows are similar. Yeah. <laughs> we're, we're, we're joking. Uh, <laughs> Wait, what? I mean, much props to We're Patty LaBelle. Right. Oh, no. <laughs> much props to Patty LaBelle, though. Fucking legend. Um, but uh, uh, one of the things about this, I think this is one of the things that, that happens a lot of times when you have uh, when you have a movie that has the kind of like good like actresses like this movie does. Even though Gwen Stefani's not in really much of the movie, she's only in it like for just a few minutes, really, when they do the premiere for Hell's Angels. She's uh, a good actress. But she did a good job with the little small part that she had, right? Um, but then you had people that... There were some people that were like... They felt that the only reason that they wanted to continue watching the movie was Kate Blanchett. Because okay. they thought that her version... There were some people that were like, this movie is fucking dog shit. But I do like Kate Blanchett as Catherine Hepburn. That saved the movie for some people where they're like, I'm going to give it like a three and all three stars go to Kate Blanchett. And I'm like, okay, so I mean, Kate gets her props. And then there was people that fucking hated Kate Beckinsale. They didn't think she did worth the shit at all as Ava Gardner, right? And then almost universally, every single person that commented on the actresses fucking hated Gwen Stefani. <laughs> I didn't find one person that thought that Gwen did a good job as Jean Harlow. And I'm like, man, did she do that terrible of a fucking job? And then we were watching it earlier, uh, just to kind of, while we were eating and stuff, just to sort of... This has been a minute since I've watched that movie. Steve's watched this movie probably like a hundred times. I love this. At movie. least. This is one of Steve's favorite movies, so he definitely wanted to make sure we, we got to this one at some point. And uh, yeah, I was telling him earlier, like, this is uh, one of my top five movies of all time. Okay, and since we're on that, since we're on that, what is your top five list? Whew. Um, see, that that's a hard one to say off the top of my head, but I would say The Aviator is definitely on the, the, the top five. Um, you don't have to put them in order. I'm okay. just thinking, like, what's, like, if you were, like, Okay, I'm going to be stuck in quarantine for like two weeks, and I can only take five movies with me to watch. We know The Aviator's going in that pile. You're taking that DVD. Okay, I'm saying The Aviator, but I, I, I think I need a little back and forth. Like, I need to say one, and then you need to say one. Oh, okay. Um, so, uh, so I, I was trying to think, what would be my like, top five movies? Like I don't know if I've ever thought about it like that. Um, the Aviator would be one of my top five movies. And what I say is one of my top five movies is, you know, one of the movies that I can watch in any given day, at any given time. Um, and The Aviator is something that I've watched multiple times, and sometimes multiple times in one day. Right. Um, so I'll say The Aviator as one of mine. Oh, okay. Um... 
Okay, well, I guess... I'm not sure if this would be one of my... You gotta make Top sure... five... Because uh... part of me wants to say Gladiator, but I don't know if Gladiator would be in my... T it would be, be in probably my top ten. Because um, I fucking love that movie. Russell Crowe fucking kills it in that movie. Okay. We're talking about top five, so you should probably just go ahead and put a Terminator in there. <laughs> uh, well, okay, Terminator, if I had to choose one, because I don't want to take both, like, the first two, and then I only have three movies left for everything else. If I had to pick one that I had to take, it would be Terminator 2. Uh, that would definitely be one of them, because that's... Okay, so Terminator 2 is in your top yeah, five. Yeah, Terminator 2, Judgment Day. The Aviator's in my top five. Uh, and then uh, another movie in my top five would... Um, let's see. Um, it's kind of like a sort of like a desert island kind of thing. Like if you're going to be stuck somewhere yeah, and you're if, like... If you have to watch a movie, what, what's a movie? What's something you could put on and you would have no problem sitting there and watching it? Maybe even multiple times. Oof. In a row. <laughs> or something like that. Yeah, the, the, this is this is a hard one. But, um... Yeah, I think one of my movies would be, um... One of my uh, top five movies of all time um, uh, would be Forty Year Old Virgin. Forty Year Old Virgin, okay. That that makes sense because that movie is fucking classic. Okay, so since you picked a comedy movie, my comedy movie would be Tommy Boy. That's a really good one. Yeah. Um, I fuck. I've always loved that fucking movie. That is a really great movie, and then another one of my movies that I could watch over and over again. Um, yeah. Uh, okay, I got my next one. While you were while you were thinking, I got my next one. <laughs> okay. Um, I just I just popped in my head. I was like, oh yeah yeah yeah. Okay, so uh, another one of my my movies that I can watch over and over again that I really really enjoy is uh, John Wick. John Wick, the original one, part one. Okay, because all the John Wicks are badass, and if you want to hear a review of John Wick, we've done all three movies. That was a Christmas present to uh, anybody who loves John Wick and Keanu Reeves. Um, Okay, so that's a really good one too, and that's that's like a pretty recent movie too. So, you know, Steve's Steve's stuff is probably going to be all over the place. Uh, my next one would be Enter the Dragon. Okay. Because I've always been a big fan of Bruce Lee, and like I could literally put that movie on. I could watch that movie probably every day if I really wanted to, because it's just it's fucking epic. It's got the like some of the most like iconic fight scenes in it uh it's got like one of the best like villains it's everything about that movie is badass even yeah. the soundtrack from Lalo Schifrin i even like the soundtrack to that fucking movie made by Lalo Schifrin cuz it's so fucking 70s 
it's just it just sounds it, it fits with that movie so well. Like I could just listen to the soundtrack of that movie and I'd be okay. Yeah. Fucking Enter the Dragon. That's uh, definitely one of mine. That's a great one. Uh, one of my other ones is Showdown in Little Tokyo. Showdown in Little Tokyo. That's another movie that we've reviewed. <laughs> um, Dolph Lundgren and Brandon Lee. That's one of my favorite movies ever. Um, yeah. I love Showdown in Little Tokyo. I can watch that any day of the week, every day of the week. Yeah. Um, it's Dolph Lundgren and Brandon Lee. <laughs> and it is really great. So, yeah. I can watch that any day. Every day. Um, oh man, okay. This is a, <laughs> this is kind of an interesting thought experiment because it's like, of all the movies that you could like take to watch, what what is the stuff that you would absolutely have to have? Um, so okay, so we have two more to go. Yeah, we both have two more. Uh, we try to think like going back through like my uh. My movie collection, like, uh, okay, well, I guess I'd have to throw this one on there because, because I've always loved this movie so much, is Return of the Jedi. Okay. I would have to take, if, if, if somebody was like, you have to take, or somebody was like, you could take a Star Wars movie, I'm like, I'm taking Return of the Jedi. Because that's always, that's always been my favorite Star Wars movie. And I do love the original one, too. I'm not maybe as big on Empire Strikes Back as a lot of other people are. Right. A lot of people are, like, fucking obsessed with Empire Strikes Back. And don't get me wrong, I do love that movie, too. But I've watched Return of the Jedi more than I've watched The Empire Strikes Back. And it's just... I, just everything from, like, Jabba to, you know, the way Luke is in that movie. And, like, Luke and Vader and the father and son connection. Which is kind of ruined a little bit now because, you know, Palpatine and everything. But, <laughs> if you don't look at any of the sequel don't stuff... Don't count any of them. If you're like, don't count the sequels... Just, uh, just go with the... Fanboy the movie. Fam, yeah, fanboys uh, writing movies. If you go with, like, original trilogy Star Wars, I would take Return of the Jedi as one of mine. Because I could watch that movie probably any day. Yeah, okay, that that's a really good one. Uh, I'm gonna go... And Ewoks are the shit. Also, if anybody wants to talk shit about Ewoks, they can get fucked. Yeah, uh, yeah, definitely. Uh, I'm going to go with Lethal Weapon 4 as my next one. Oh, Lethal Weapon, okay. Uh, Lethal Weapon 4. I love, uh, Danny Glover, Mel Gibson, and Jet Li. All in the same movie. It was like one of the movies that I had made in heaven. Uh, and then the fight scene at the end of it's really great. So uh, that's yeah. one of the movies that I can watch constantly, and I never get tired of. Uh, so yeah, Lethal Weapon Four. It's like the it's yeah that's and that's also our introduction to, to Jet Li as far as in America. Yeah. So um, that that movie gave us Jet Li in America. So. Yeah. yeah. Um. Oh man. Okay, I'm trying to think of what my last one would be. So this is where it kind of gets difficult because you're like, okay, I've only got one more that I can take. Uh, so you have to make sure that it's it's good and you wouldn't get tired of it. Because um, part of me all wants to take 300, but I'm like, how many times could I watch 300? I'm like, I could probably watch it a lot. Is that I love that fucking movie. Um, 
I know, I know what my last one is already. Okay. Go ahead and oh, you want me to do my go ahead and do one? yours a lot because I'm still thinking. I'm not sure exactly okay. what my last one would be. Uh, my last one would be the Dark Knight Rises. Dark Knight Rises. Oh, really? Okay. Um, because I thought you were just gonna say the Dark Knight. Uh, but that's that's pretty cool. No, the the Dark Knight's not my my favorite. I, I think the the villain performance is uh, better in the Dark Knight, but I think the story is better in the Dark Knight Rises. I like the uh, fall of Batman and the rise. Yeah. Uh, I, I get excited about that. So it's one of my pump-up movies, so I love it. Yeah. Well, especially, I, the, th- the thing, too, to kind of piggyback on that is, like, the um, the way that they have that whole... I thought you were going to say, wait, to piggyback on that, mine is Jurassic Park 3. <laughs> not, not. <laughs> Although I probably wouldn't be opposed to, like, the original Jurassic Park. That one would be, you know, one of my favorites. That might be in my top ten, maybe. Yeah, uh, but I top don't know. Top ten is different than top five. Yeah, because you know. top five you really have to narrow it down to like what you absolutely Stuff have to have. Stuff that you would literally watch every day. Um, I, you know what? Another one of mine, like, man, it's re- it's really hard. Like, I, I say, The Dark Knight Rises, but I would also replace that with Pitch Black. Pitch Black. Like, oh yeah, I yeah, yeah. Love Pitch Black too. Uh, so hard. Like, yeah, like, that's true. Uh, yeah, but go ahead. Um. Man, this is uh, this is difficult. I don't know. I feel like this is kind of weird because I'd be taking two Arnold movies, but I'd, I'd have to say Predator. Predator, right? I mean, that's a great movie. That's a great movie. I, I took two Arnold movies. That that's that shows okay. you how much. That's that's totally okay. <laughs> but to me, it's like the original Predator from like the eighties. I fucking love that movie so I've seen that movie probably like 80 times. Some movies that I really love that a lot of people don't even know, like uh, one of them's like Only the Strong uh, with uh, Mark DeCasso's, and then another one yes. is with Jackie Chan, and it's not even like Rumble in the Bronx or anything like that. It's Jackie Chan's Who Am I? Who Am I? Who Am I is a really good one, yeah. I think that's one of the greatest Jackie Chan movies ever made because of the fight scenes in it, and I'm just like... Like, it was like one of the original Jason Bourne type movies. Because he doesn't know who he is through the whole movie. And he's trying to find out. And then the fight scenes are just better and better through the movie. And no one even... Like, I'll talk to people and they've never even heard of this movie. No. And I'll be like, it's literally one of Jackie Chan's best movies. Right. And, uh, yeah, so, so I have a few movies that no one's even heard of. That are really good. Cradle to the Grave is also one of like the one of the funnest movies that I have to watch. The one, if you're you're somebody that's just like, well, I don't like the Matrix because it's like too, you know, too much philosophy and stuff. Then just watch the one. Yeah. Because it's basically the Matrix without philosophy, and you're just like, there you are. And fight. you get to see Jet Li fight himself. That's pretty badass. Yeah. I mean, uh, who could beat Jet Li? Maybe Jet Li. Maybe Jet Li. I don't know. From a different universe. And Jason Statham is. <laughs> Jason Statham is in that movie, yeah. But he's also just kind of like a guy in the movie until later in the movie, and then he becomes like a Statham dude, and you're like, oh shit, because the dude from Romeo Must Die, which is also a movie I really like. Uh, I forget that dude's name. The black guy's name from Romeo Must Die. The dude that plays the dad. Uh, oh, I always shit. forget I his, can't name think of his name because he's not really like a big actor. 
Uh, but he's also he's he's a great actor. He's just like somebody I never knew his name, but he's always in some good stuff. Yeah. Uh, no one that would that would make my top ten if I was going to do like a top ten. One I'm of, not saying those people were, are in my top ten. I'm just saying those are great movies people don't right don't even know about. One that I would put in my top ten would be the original Ghost in the Shell, the animated movie. Not to say that I don't like the one with Scarlett Johansson because I do love that movie. Oh, you but know what else? The original else anime make somewhere Ghost in my Shell. top ten or fifteen or something. Like I, I don't know where I'd rank it, but the original Ghostbusters movie would definitely probably make it in there somewhere. Oh yeah, like if I was doing a top ten, that would probably be another one of them. I don't know. That would be like something we'd have to sit down and like set rankings because you'd almost have to. Yeah, you'd have to really sit down and be like, uh, oh, maybe we might do like a special episode of that one day. It's like that would have to be something we set down, or maybe we'd just be talking about. All of our favorite movies because it's really hard. Yeah, I mean, especially like if you just start looking through like your DVD collection, you're like, oh yeah, I fucking forgot about that movie. I've always that, loved the I, Alexander movie, the one that um, yeah, that's something Oliver that you Stone. really like. You really, I love that, that Alexander movie. And then like something that like like I really enjoyed is like uh, the Departed. Uh, also, is one of the the is a Leo movie that I enjoy, um, even though it gets shot in the head in it. Yeah, Dodgeball um, would be one of my favorites. Dodgeball is a really good movie. Yeah, I mean, would I put it in my top ten? I don't know. That, like, Dodgeball would probably be like in my like top twenty or something. Like a top ten comedy. Oh, for top ten comedy. But like, if we're doing categories, it's much more harder. But I don't see how you could do it without categories, like because top sci-fi, like Scarface, top and comedy, and, yeah, and then crime would be like its own. Yeah. Where you're like, okay, fucking Goodfellas. Yeah, this, and we're getting off on Like the Scarface and, and all that comment. shit. Right? Because <laughs> um, we, we could talk about this for a while if we actually get stuck on that. Yeah, because but, let, uh, let's be honest. Godfather 3, the best Godfather? <laughs> oh. No. Right so. before you end it all? Because you just saw the worst of the Godfather movies? No, it's actually Godfather 2, and I'm not even bullshitting. Godfather 1 is not the best Godfather. It's Godfather 2. Godfather 2. A lot of people say Godfather 2 because they feel like it's, uh... Like, Godfather 1's kind of iconic because it, it, it just... It has that, like, cult mentality. People well, fucking it, love the original. It's the prequel. Right. But then like, 2, everybody it's, was it's like... It's the build-up, and 2's the payoff, and then 3, you're just kind of like... It's the ending, and you're just kind of like, I don't want it to end. What's your favorite Alien movie? Original Alien or Aliens? You know, it, it used to be Aliens. Uh, the James Cameron the, one. It used to be Aliens, but now it's Alien. Because whenever you go back and watch them, because I was going off memory, and I recently went back and watched them, and I was just kind of like, Alien is superior. Alien is the better movie. It's more fun, definitely. It is... It, Alien is the movie that changed everything. Aliens is different, but Alien is the better movie. So, Alien. I'll say Alien. Okay. So, now that we got that, that out of the way. <laughs> Just to go ahead and settle that, but, you know, if you guys think different, you know, beyond... Yeah, the, if you, uh, you want to post some, like, your own favorites in your own list... That's cool. Or you can find us on you can like comment us, us on Instagram at the Saint Center Show on Instagram. Yeah. Um, 
Because we're not going to make two separate things for it. And then uh, beyondthehate at yahoo.com. Yeah, beyondthehate at yahoo.com. Yep. Um, Let's get to another comment. All right. So with this, it says, uh, This three-hour film starts off well enough, but seriously loses steam after its first hour with uh, Hughes' uh, funding of his big project, Hell's Angels. By the end of the film, uh, with the uh, Spruce Goose, it's, it's actually not the Spruce Goose, that was, they were making fun of it, it's the Hercules plane. Barely anyone in the audience was noticing. Blame it on the slow-moving script by John Logan, which just skims over Hughes' life. Uh, the movie putters along like a tortoise, and with the occasional brief appearance from some of Hollywood's greatest early actresses, uh, as well. However, my advice to no doubt lead singer Gwen Stefani is to keep your day job because you seriously need acting lessons. You may look like Jean Harlow, but you sure don't act like her in the least. Also, Kate Beckinsale looks strikingly close to Ava Gardner, but she basically sleepwalks through a role. The lone bright spot in this film is Kate Blanchett, who manages to turn in a richly textured performance of Katherine Hepburn. But her presence ain't worth the boredom you have to wade through the other two hours and 45 minutes she's not in the movie. Look. <laughs> Kate Beckinsale and Gwen Stefani are good in their own right. But no one expects either one of those people ever to be Kate Blanchett. Nobody. And that's no shade against Kate Beckinsale because she's, I've always loved Kate Beckinsale. She's like one of my favorite actors. Anytime she's in something, I enjoy it. Right. Not, not necessarily. She makes Pearl Harbor manageable to get through. And, and Pearl Harbor is tough. Har- she makes that movie manageable Whenever for me. Whenever you're like, it's like, let's make Pearl Harbor about a love triangle and it's like, Oh, I think we're kind of missing the point here. It's really you know, about a bunch of people died. Should we be focusing on the love story? And it's like, well, we got Ooh. Kate Beckinsale, and it's like, oh fuck, Who okay. Cares what hot people are fucking? Yeah. Uh, Michael Bay, you just oh. just like Pearl Harbor missed the point. Yeah, um, but uh, but what I'm trying to say there is, if you're watching a movie and being like. Let's see how Kate Beckinsale and Gwen Stefani can pair up to Kate Blanchett. Then that movie's not going to be very fun for you because Kate Blanchett's always going to win. <laughs> because Kate Blanchett is a fucking, like. She won an Oscar for this movie. Right. And like no you one, were saying, she no won an Oscar for a person who is a real person who also won who Oscars won Oscar. herself. She was the first person to ever do that. I mean, and the only person still to do that. Right. Like, no one's ever done that, and no one has done it since. It's like, have you ever have you ever watched, like, a role where you have somebody that's playing somebody who's famous? And I always liked, you know, like, like you mentioned, uh, like, earlier, like, you know, that uh, Michael Mann did the Ali movie. Yeah. And I thought Will Smith did a badass job as Muhammad Ali. Yeah. I, I fucking love that movie. And that's one of the things. It's like some of these people are very hard to, uh, like historical figures, like Jamie Fox and um, Ray Charles. He did a really good job in Ray, right? Some of these people are very difficult to do. Never watched that movie. Ray, I've seen like bits of it, and uh, from what I have seen, I, I liked his. I yeah, haven't watched never the whole watched thing. Watched it because I don't. I never listened to Ray Charles, so I was just kind of yeah. Like, I've seen, like, I think I saw, like, 40 minutes of it or something when it was on TV once. Or, like, I had it streaming. 
But because uh, I've seen that, I heard he did a great performance, and I, d- I do like Jamie Foxx, but I was just kind of like, I've never really like, like been interested in Ray Charles. So yeah, it's one of those things where you're like, you, maybe you had to kind of listen to Ray Charles to really kind of be interested in it. But the thing is about these historical figures, a lot of times, are these, like, you know, you're playing somebody who is a real life person. It's very difficult to nail um, somebody so well that when people think of that person, that they almost think of you because you played them in a movie. Right. When a lot of times, when somebody mentions like Catherine Hepburn, I almost instinctively think of Kate Blanchett's version of Catherine Hepburn and what she looked like. And then I have to go on Google and I'm like, oh, that's what Catherine Hepburn actually looked like, you know, compared to uh, Kate Blanchett's version. And she did such a good job from just the way that she talked and, and just her mannerisms and everything. Don't you think? Yeah. Her, like, her accent and everything in this movie is fucking spot on. Like, it's, it's like... When you think of like you know actresses that that could play Catherine Hepburn, if somebody tried to do this now, you would be like, yeah, it's not as good as Kate Blanchett's. Uh, Kate, Emma Kate, Stone's the only person I think could do it now. Emma Stone, she it, she would, eh, she could give it a good shot. Do you think she'd be able to do better than than Blanchett? Do you think she'd be able to equal it? I have no idea. I don't know. I, I would like to see her try. I at least nominated that she's the only person that could try to do it. Yeah, okay. I could see that. Um, Unless you're going like a... a um, actually, it would be something like if you're doing like uh, Ava... You know, like if you were going like Nazi Germany, like Ava Braun or something like that, oh, Aubrey yeah. Plaza. Aubrey Plaza is... Like, if you're doing a movie and you're uh, trying to get someone really, like, offensive and stuff like that, Aubrey Plaza always. Yeah, okay. Um, and also, she was on the cover of, like, uh, Kenny Rogers CD, like, 30 years ago. <laughs> oh, man. Is that the... Uh, yeah, was that the cover for uh, the, the Gambler? Mm-hmm. Was that... Yeah. And see, and after you showed me that... I probably listened to that fucking Gambler song like 30 times now because that fucking song gets stuck in my head now. And it's because you showing me that cover reminded me of that song. And I was like, oh yeah, what did the Gambler sound, the, 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 what did that sound like? And I listened to it and I'm like, this is a fucking great song. Repeat. And I'm like, I blame this shit on you. The reason I've listened to so much fucking Kenny Rogers lately is because of Steve showing me that fucking album cover. And I'm like, hey, look, this chick looks like Aubrey Plaza. Now I have that fucking song stuck in hey, my head. Hey, me, Kenny Rogers and Associates. <laughs> right. Rest in peace, Kenny Rogers. He's uh, he's not around anymore. Uh, but, uh, you know, sometimes you got to know when to hold him and know when to fold him. Uh, see, he, now he I got the shit stuck. Well. Right. <laughs> He yeah, uh, but it, it, the thing, the thing about like you know that Gwen Stefani can't act. Well, yeah, and that I kind mean, of she stuff. Can't. It's like she's not an actress for one. I mean, she's she's a singer, right? But it's like, but she, she does well enough in the role that she's given here. I she's don't. She's in the movie for like 
Two minutes. She's in the movie for like two minutes. There's like this the scene when he's like, taking her to the premiere. like an actress, and she's like, "I can do that." And right. She did it, and they're like, "Cool." And yeah, she even has like the 1930s hairstyle, and then she's got like you know like the the nice dress and everything, like what you would expect out of like an actress from the 30s and what they would so what they would look what like. What else do you want from her? Do you want an Oscar performance from somebody that's been in the movie for? Two fucking minutes. Right. That's the thing. A lot of these people are like, her performance was shit. And they're like, like she look, can't right, act. $10 million. Let's get fucking, uh, you know, goddamn Angelina Jolie in here. It's like, yeah, but the character that you want Angelina to play, she's only in the movie for like maybe four minutes. Yeah, she's not going to do that. And it's like, we know. Yeah. But literally, Martin Scorsese, uh, Scorsese uh, fucking watched a music video or something and seen Gwen Stefani, and he was like, yeah, she looks like her. Is she uh, going to be Jean Harlow? Yes, yeah, so could somebody call her and ask her if she wants to be Jean Harlow in this movie? And then they did, and then she said yes. That's basically the entire story. Like, Scorsese just seen her randomly, and was like, oh, shit, she looks like Jean Harlow. Can somebody call her? Yes. You want to be in the movie? Yes. Done. That's as much as it took. I wonder what music video he was watching. Did it say like what video he? Of, no. No doubt they were watching. He was watching when he. Um. But uh. But yeah, it's like probably yeah. the offspring. The, oh really? I'm just uh, guessing at that timeline in 2000 and. Probably three. It's probably two thousand three. Probably the offspring music video. Maybe. Or maybe no doubt. Um, any any video by no doubt. Probably yeah. the offspring video though. Yeah. Because she would have looked more like Jean Harlow in the offspring video. Yeah, more so than maybe the the just the girl video. But uh, but uh, I think a lot of times. When you have, like these, um, when you have these these like actors and well, when you have like musicians, for example, they get into doing acting. It's sometimes it can end up really well, and you're like, yeah, they actually kind of are good at this. If they get more roles, maybe they can really make this into something. And then sometimes it's like I think people just have like too high of expectations. It's like, what did you expect Gwen Stefani to do with the two minutes she's on screen? You know, and especially it's like, because I think a lot of times what happens is, is that people think that, well, you know, well, she should have made the most of her two minutes. It's like literally all she does is just show up with uh, Howard Hughes in the, you know, in real life to the premiere. And they get hit by a car. Yeah, right. And she speaks on the microphone and says something, and then that's basically it. Then they go in and what watch the movie. What would be a good uh, musician, recent musician, um, now that you would like John Wick to shoot in the face? <laughs> because he's been shooting a lot of musicians in the face, and we know there's going to be a part four. So, like, recent musician, like, who, who would be a good one to put in four for John Wick to shoot in the face? Oh man. Uh Maybe that that Takashi 69 guy. Oh, that's a good one. Takashi 69. That's a good one. Um and then Mike my, my runner up would be Cardi B probably. Oh. 
You know who would be not to get him shot in the face, but you know who would be a good uh, addition to John Wick Four? Uh, Lady Gaga. I Lady think she'd Gaga. Be a good just actress to put in. Put in for. Yeah, I mean the one movie she did with uh, Bradley Cooper that was people were like, man, fuck, she's like really good at this. Yeah. Um. She is a good. What, what was the, it? Was a Star Is Born? Is that Star what Is Born? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Remake of the nineteen thirty film. Yeah. Uh, uh, wow, I didn't. Uh, that, the original was that old shit. Yeah, I didn't like remember that. Because Dumbo took a lot of shit from it. Um, <laughs> oh, really? Okay. Except, you know, except there was no racism in A Star Is Born. There was Just a lot of racism in Dumbo. Yeah. Right. <laughs> um, Not in the Tim Burton's Dumbo. No, the original like Disney animated Dumbo. There was uh, some racist shit but in that. But apparently, it was okay because it was cool to be racist back then. I guess that's it was. Uh, it I was, guess it, that's what Disney's going with. It was more They're acceptable. Like, you know what? It was cool to be racist in the thirties. In the thirties, like, you could be racist, and it was just kind of expected. It was like, but was it? Didn't a lot of people have a problem with that then? It's like, yeah, they did, but fuck those guys, right? We have yeah. an excuse. We put a disclaimer before we fucking. It says yeah, because like on the... like, this may this may have sensitive material. As like, do you mean the faceless black people? Right. It's like because that is um, that offends me, and I'm a white. Right. I'm just like this. I want to throw up. <laughs> right. Uh, but <laughs> it's like, uh, but like, I mean, to each your own. If you can just put a disclaimer and feel good about it, I mean, that's that's on you. Right. Uh, oh God! But uh, <laughs> but if you're if you're looking uh, back to a more positive note, um, if you're looking at like you know uh, like actors, actress, or uh, musicians that can go into acting, um, I always thought Beyonce did a really good job in the Austin Powers movie because right. it's if like you're doing comedy, Beyonce. But if you're doing right. serious stuff. I don't know if Beyonce could do J-Lo. like a super serious movie. J Lo can do that yeah. because um, uh, what was that thing where like she goes into the mind of that serial killer? The cell. The cell. I was like, you know what, J Lo, I'm kind of with you on this. This is actually kind of a badass movie. And I know a lot of people are like, yeah, but she did like Made in Manhattan and shit. And I'm like, no, watch the cell. The cell. She also did nine weeks in that with Matthew Perry, and she fucking nailed it. Right. Um, I mean, she was movie a, made me cry at the end. Right, <laughs> but I was like, you Look, know, Donald Glover told me it's cool to to involve your sensitive side. So right, you know, if you got a problem with that, and he's also Lando fucking Calrissian. Take too. it up with uh, the childish Gambina. Right, Troy from Community, <laughs> one of the most talented motherfuckers on the planet. Yeah, Donald Glover. Yeah, how many people you know can do all these different things and also be Lando Calrissian, too, you know? And, and actually do it better. It, it's like, is he a better Lando than Billy D. Williams? I don't know. You make that call. I love Billy D. I, Lando's always been one of my favorite characters. No, but I'm like not saying he, he can do Lando better than Billy D. But I'm saying Donald Glover is more talented than Billy D. Williams. Ooh, that's, that's controversy right overall. there. Overall. <laughs> oh, I mean, if you're talking about overall talent, because he's a musician, too. Yes, he's more he's well-rounded. He's a musician, and he's a fucking killer comedian. Yeah. If you guys have never heard Donald Glover do stand-up, Please go look it up. It's not like any other stand-up you've ever heard. It's not the the, the the normal bullshit that you hear. His stand-up is fucking awesome. Yeah. So good. It is so good. 
Donald Glover is one of my favorite people ever. I'm sorry, I'm kind of gushing over him. Right now. <laughs> well, let's move on. Let's He's move blushing. On. Okay, so we'll get into uh, this. Is the uh, this is the last uh, uh, the, the last bit here? Um, uh, because I know that like there's been times before where I've had like a giant paragraph of shit, and Steve's like, "Okay, go back and break that down," because I don't remember half the shit that they were talking yes, about. I do say it. So I was like, uh, "Okay, so because we also drink on this show, by the yeah. way, if you can't notice." And I'll be like, "Okay, I know you just said like fifteen things in one paragraph. You know, I don't know what you just said. <laughs> go back and." We can kind of slowly break it down. So this time I tried to make the points a little bit smaller so we can make the point and then have time to talk about it and not have to go and dig in the paragraph. Uh, but I found this. because We there, call this Lindsay Lohanning. You're right. <laughs> not because of any dig on Lindsay Lohan. Just because we like her and we like to mention her right. on our show. So we'll call this Lohanning. Right, yeah. Um, and fuck with us if you want to talk shit about our girl. Yeah. Because uh, if, if you want to talk shit about Lindsay Lohan, we'll, we'll, we'll meet you out in the parking lot. Yeah. Um, everybody wants to call her a hoe. Look, she's living her own life. You know, yeah, go fuck yourself. That's called jealousy. Right. You're just mad because you ain't getting that Charlie Sheen dick, you know? Yeah. Like, you're just mad because you ain't getting the kind of dick that she's getting. It just don't be hateful. Yeah. Um, chill out. Chill, chill out. Chill the fuck out. Let her live her life. Um, it's like the same thing with Britney Spears. Everybody want to talk shit about Britney. Britney's just doing her own fucking thing. Look, if she wants to shave her head, that's her fucking business. Yeah. But the, anyway. The, the fucked up thing about it is you guys want to talk shit about Britney shaving her head, she still looks better than you with a shaved head. Right, yeah. And then you want to be like, oh, look how ugly she looks with a shaved head. It's like, she's still fucking hot. I, she's still I, Britney I, Spears. I was still... Fuck her. Natalie Portman's like still hot in V for Vendetta when she when she's It's like you shaved. shaved her head. Oh, she looks ugly now. It's like no. It's still Natalie Portman. Is she's it still weird hot. that she's hotter? <laughs> like I don't even I don't even know what you're talking about. It's like once she shaved her head, that's just not satisfying. It's like I, I it's, I'm into it still. <laughs> <laughs> Be like you know what? Uh, me and this egghead about to do this. Uh, yeah. <laughs> it's like uh, I don't know what you're talking about. It's like whatever. Okay. Uh, but basically. I was, like, done. I already had the notes done, and then I found this bit, and I was like, oh, I gotta add this. I'm like, I'm just gonna, I'm gonna go ahead and just add this on, because I'm like, I think this is interesting, uh, because of what they, what they were talking about, but, uh, this person apparently was, I don't know, I don't know if they're like, they're like, maybe like a Howard Hughes fan, or like, they think they know a lot of shit, but, uh, it says, uh, I'm a genuine lover of films, so you know we already have set the table there he's a genuine genuine lover of films films. um and it says i write this not to be hateful but to give my honest opinion about a film that is getting hyped by critics but that it left me and my friends baffled extremely hateful (laughs) quite frankly i can't remember a film i despised so much as the aviator a beautifully photographed a uh, leaden piece of metal with no more heart than a piece of, of leftover scrap metal from the Spruce Goose. It's not the Spruce Goose. It's the fucking Hercules. People apparently have fucked this up it, it, all the time. Like They're like, yeah, it's the Spruce Goose. That's what They were making fun of it. it it's called the Hercules. It's anyway. Hercules. 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 Yeah, yeah they, were, they were making fun of it, you know? They thought it was a dumb idea to make a plane that big. Howard Hughes is... Uh, an admittedly difficult subject matter for a film. Perhaps this is why so many announced film projects about the eccentric billionaire have uh, 
um, gone by the wayside. Uh, peculiar to a fault, Scorsese fails to make Hughes sympathetic or understandable to audiences. Um, audiences he expects to go on a three-hour journey into Hughes's madness, which is pretty much the same in the third scene of the film as it is in the last scene. Uh, DiCaprio does his best, but the character of Hughes has nowhere to go. So he's rich and eccentric and, and troubled. Why should we care if he can't... Um, uh, uh, or, uh, why do we care if we, uh, if we can't sympathize or at least empathize with him? And we are really ex expected to believe his lifelong phobias and OCD are the result of a single conversation with his creepy mother during a bath once. Hold on, pause. Uh, <laughs> These are things that actually existed in Howard Hughes' life. Right. I don't think Scorsese attempted to take like a uh, over-sympathetic uh, path with Hughes. I think he was just trying to say, like, this is who he is. The you, man was a genius, but he was also, he had some personal shit that affected he had him. A, he had flaws, and the, one of the reasons that a, The Aviator is one of my top five movies of all time is because they lay those flaws out for you, and I love to see, like, human flaws. Like, when I was younger, uh, like, one of my favorite mini, like, I had two favorite miniseries like ever and my first one which was the first one i ever seen was the stand and my favorite character in the stand do you remember watching the stephen king's the stand miniseries did you ever watch that uh movie? no i don't think i did okay i think my mom might have watched it but i, I don't think i have so ever my favorite character in the stand and there's a lot of good characters in the stand was rob lowe's character and he was dead he was like a deaf mute. And one of the most tragedies was like whenever he actually died. And then my other uh, uh, favorite miniseries was The Children of Dune. And I loved that so much. And the reason why is because how much flaws existed in both of those. Like... The stand, Satan exists. There's like a plague that exists, kind of let this happen now, and it kind of wipes out the world. And then there's these people that exist that are trying to survive basically the end of the world. Right. And a lot of them do, and Satan keeps testing them by killing the best amongst them. So that's that's something that's very interesting that happens in those shows. Um, in the Children of Dune, like um, you know, it's basically the same way. Like the best amongst of them always gets killed. Uh, Game of Thrones, kind of the same way, but I'm pretty sure Game of Thrones took inspiration from those stories. And the stories in history where most good people always get executed. Yeah. Because that, that happens a lot throughout history. You find out it's like, you know, like somebody like Joan of Arc. And you're like, man, she was a badass. And it's like, yeah, yeah but they... She's awesome. Burn her. Burn her. She's a Marie witch. Marie Antoinette was actually a revolutionary. She, she had her head chopped off. Um, you know, like, uh, things like that. Like, she was just trying to, like, 
do like uh, freedom for women and stuff like that. Like she was trying to be like overexpressive and stuff like that. And she never actually said let them eat cake. She was actually like a beloved uh, queen and stuff like that. And, and then after you know they basically just killed all the rich in France at, at, at some point. <laughs> eat the rich, no. <laughs> but like the thing. Uh, well, and, and so I get to the, I'll do the last sentence too because I thought this one, I had to add this one because I, I was like this is uh, fucked up. It says um, uh, if the sight of a naked, half mad Howard Hughes uh, lining uh, up rows upon rows of milk bottles filled with piss is your idea of a good time, then The Aviator is the film for you. Well, I mean, I, I wish uh, we could say that that was just some shit that they did for cinematic purposes, but it was something that actually happened in real life and a real life story. So, I don't know what you wanted them to do about that. It's like, did they have left that out? Yeah, they could have left that out. But you understand how much this OCD thing, how much his like phobias and his fear about cleanliness. And, like, I mean, there's even, you know, the point in the movie where, you know, uh, uh, Kate, uh, Cap, uh, Catherine Hepburn, uh, she leaves Howard, and he just, he's like, fuck it, I'm just going to burn all of my clothes. Because, you know, she touched those clothes, and, and that kind of stuff, but, you know, she's also been with this other man, you know, kind of in the background that she, you know, that she's met. You know, because you see that as a scene. And so he literally goes out and just burns all of his clothes and and that kind of stuff. And you're like, he had th- these phobias and these things that he had to deal with. That was some real shit. Now we would be like, oh, well, he definitely has obsessive compulsive disorder. And then he has the uh, whatever the disorder is that where you 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 never feel like you're you're clean enough. I don't remember what that's called. If you remember what that's called, oh, where he constantly yeah. has to wash his hands. He if he touches something with like a, a towel or a cloth, he has to throw that away because it could have germs on it. You know, that's and you definitely see that when when Ava goes to visit him to try and clean him up for the Senate hearings, and there's just like there's tissue everywhere, and there's like you know hand cloths and stuff everywhere because he's just he's completely paranoid about touching things you know it's like now we would be more sympathetic to stuff like that because we we understand more about those like those phobias and how ocd can be crippling for some people because they get stuck in a pattern they can't get out of you know and but back in like the 30s and 40s if you tried to explain this to somebody they would just say oh well he's crazy they don't understand why they're just like, oh, well, you know, Howard, he's just a crazy whack job, you know. And it's like, yeah, but that crazy whack job is also like one of the, one of the best like uh, industrialists we've we've ever had. <laughs> he's a uh, he's a genius, and he revolutionized uh, yeah. you know, the aviation industry in the country, you know. And you know, he did a lot of this shit when he was like in his like twenties and thirties, you know. So it's like. <sighs> If you're going to say, like, oh, well, you know, he's just naked and he's, like, pissing into bottles and stuff and it's just weird. And it's like, but that's the thing. You have to, in order to understand how bad this is for him, how crippling this is for him to deal with, you have to see that. Like, the thing at the end when he when he uh, he does the test, pilot, uh, the, the test flight of the Hercules to get it going 
And then yes. you feel like, oh, well, he, you know, he's going to kind of get back into things. And then he gets stuck into that, you know, it's the way of the future, the way of the future, the way of the future. He cannot get out of that. He, They have to get him out of there. So they're like the press, the media cannot see him like this because they're gonna they're gonna torch this man in newspapers and on the radio and everything. Like, hey, look at this crazy whack job, Howard Hughes. Yeah. This guy's just repeating the same phrase forever, and he's afraid to touch things. He's like a germaphobe, and nobody back then they wouldn't have any perspective. Yeah, nobody cares. wouldn't have any perspective of what that is. Now we because we have all this psychology stuff now. And we have medications that help people with OCD, and we have treatments and things. Now, somebody with Howard's issues could go to, you know, like a clinic or something, and he could get help. But back in the 30s and 40s, what the fuck is he going to do? If he goes to a doctor, they're going to be like, he's crazy. Just give him some meds and fuck off. They're not going to know how to help this man. And Leo does a tremendous job of showing just how fucking crippling this was for Howard that, like... He's constantly worried about everything. The food that he eats, the things that he touches. That's one of the things I think that sells this movie for me because when he's like industrialist Howard Hughes and he's doing all the stuff with the planes, you're like, yeah, that's pretty cool. It's cool to see that. But then when you see all the character stuff of him, like, you know, when he's just like stuck in like his uh, film room and he's just watching stuff and he's pissing into jars and stuff, you're like, that's how fucked up this was for him. Howard just, he just... He couldn't be around people when he was like that because people would have thought he was completely crazy. It would have ruined all of his credibility and his, his you know his uh, airline, the TWA, would have tanked if he if he wouldn't have if they wouldn't have you know kept him away. He would have lost all of his credibility. Think of all the jobs that would have been lost because they're like, oh yeah, Howard Hughes, that guy is just that guy is fucked up. I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna go on his airline because the dude's fucking crazy. And then yeah. I think of all those jobs would have been lost. And that's the thing. It's like he's got to portray a, a character. He's got to portray this man who actually had to deal with this shit in real life. You know, and I saw one person made a comment. They were like, "Yeah, it's like watching an FDR movie, and the entire time you're just focused on the man's polio and not what he did." And it's like they do focus on what Howard Hughes does and the things that he he does, you know, for the aviation industry and stuff he does for America during World War II, or he tries to do. But in order to understand what he's like, you also have to put in all the OCD stuff, or you don't understand who Howard was as a man. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I mean that's that's just one of the things about uh, Howard Hughes that you have to understand, and this is one of uh, many of uh, Leonardo DiCaprio's movies that he should have been nominated for an Oscar for. Well, he was nominated, but he should have won an Oscar for. And some people say Wolf of Wall Street and stuff like that, and I don't even think that even comes close. I think that we might at some point uh, cover all of Leonardo DiCaprio's movies that um, <laughs> he should have won an Oscar for. Um, before The Revenant. Like, um, and The Revenant is kind of like... Yeah, I mean, he won an Oscar for it, but I, I, I think there was better movies. And that's the thing about Leo. It's not to say that he's not you know, deserving of getting the award. It's just like, yeah, but he got the award for that movie? It's like, there's, there's other stuff that he's been in where he, he probably probably was more deserving of the Academy Award. 
Yeah, this then, movie being one. Yeah, this one definitely. Uh, and other movies uh, uh, to come, possibly. I mean... Uh, I thought he was really good in Inception, too. I don't know if it was like Oscar-worthy, but... He really sells Inception to me because he's think, awesome as Cobb in Inception. I think a lot of the uh, Oscar movies um, that he had was, you know, this one was one, definitely. Um, what about Titanic? Uh, no, I don't think Titanic's one of them. I think. I, I yeah, think I'm, the I'm with you on that. I don't. He didn't do as good of a job in Titanic as he does in Aviator. I, I think Aviator is uh, probably his masterpiece. Would you say? I think yeah, I think as so, far as like acting wise, uh, I think uh, the Great Gatsby has to be one of them. I don't know. If oh yeah, that one. one's yeah. Uh, the Great Gatsby is amazing. I I would say the Beach. Uh, oh shit! Yeah, Beach. That's old school too. He's fucking awesome, and Tilda Swinton also didn't win an Oscar for that, and she was fucking amazing in that movie. Um, and there's many more. There's just many more that he should have uh, possibly won an Oscar for before this. Um, yeah, but I guess that's it. That's all the comments. Yeah, that's basically everything. Uh, yeah, it was it was four. I thought maybe I might have had five. No, what I did, I did have five at one point, and then uh, two things were kind of telling somewhat the same point. So I put them together. Uh, oh, yeah, it was the, yeah, I, I remember. So I basically took it and just combined it to one. But, but yeah, that's one of the things that I noticed when I started doing the notes for this. Uh, people were like, yeah, Leo didn't really do a good job. It's like, you know, he didn't really do Howard Hughes justice. And it's like, well, after having watched this, I feel like I understand a lot more about the actual man because Leo did such a good job in this. He makes yeah. Howard Hughes feel real to me. And I think the thing about, especially because we weren't alive when Howard, we, we were born after the man had actually passed away, right? So we were born in the yeah. 80s. So the, we didn't grow up with somebody like Howard Hughes. But it's like when you think about how much influence he had, not only in the aviation industry, but you look at Marvel Comics and how much Tony Stark, and, well, and even Howard Stark, because I'm pretty sure they named Howard Stark after... Um, you know Howard Hughes. It's pretty obvious. He even has the mustache and everything, like Howard Hughes had. You know. Yeah, um, but I mean, it, it was one of those things. I think Gangs of New York. Uh, uh, Leo should have possibly been nominated for. Um, yeah, that's another good one. But uh, yeah, I mean, this is this is a really great movie, and I think Leo did it justice, and. Um, uh, this has been Beyond the Hate. Like, subscribe. Yeah, check us out on um, on Spotify. Check us out on iTunes, um, Google Podcasts, Stitcher. We're on basically everything. I think like Castbox and all kinds of stuff. It's like eight different things we're on. Yeah, and go so you can find you can find us. Yeah, and go check us out on the Saint and Center Show. Yeah, Satan uh, Center show. Uh, we're gonna have some uh, new episodes up. I had a technical issue with uh, the files not being in the correct formatting, but I will fix that, and uh, we'll have some more episodes up for the Satan Center show. And the Satan Center show is completely different from this because in this, we, you know, where we have, uh, you know, like a movie or something that's the main topic we're we're going over. Uh, Satan Center show is a little bit different because it's 
more about the the fucked up parts of humanity, but it's about the good parts of humanity too. So yeah, we start off kind of with the messed up stuff and the good parts. So go go over there and check that out. Yep. And uh, this has been Beyond the Hate. Hope you enjoyed. Peace. <laughs>